0: Hello, and welcome back to the Chris Yeh Podcast. I am Chris Yeh, and I'm here with my recap of Mental Samurai Episode 9, the penultimate episode before the Season 1 finale. We opened the episode with an interesting statistical analysis that showed that of the contestants, 72% ended their run with a wrong answer. 15 percent timed out which by my math leaves 11 percent who are able to complete the field with 12 questions and move on to the season finale it was pretty exciting seeing some of the highlights from the show to date i'm always of course looking for myself an ironic thing is that interestingly enough my sister was actually at the taping of my episodes and she was there in the audience and i've seen her repeatedly in the reaction shots in the crowd And yet she was not used at all during my run. I can only believe that when she got into that room where the family members wait and cheer people on, that she was just basically frozen and doing nothing. Versus when she was busy watching other people compete other than her brother, she was excited and laughing and cheering and clapping and got on TV many, many times, which is a grand irony. We'll get back to that later on when we talk about Ben Bergstrom's run. So the first contestant out of the shoot was Boris Chernin, an emergency consultant who had immigrated to the United States from Leningrad, now known as St. Petersburg. Boris's story was that he learned English by watching game shows, which is pretty funny if you think about it. He said that people often said he sounded like a game show host. People say that sometimes I sound like a game show host, and I think that's a good thing. If I could sound more like Alex Trebek, I feel that that is a big positive. Boris was very calm and confident. He was locking in early. He was determined to get through the course as quickly as possible. In fact, he made the turn at the sixth question mark at 3 minutes and 30 seconds, which is one of the fastest paces we've seen. However, he went down because of his dedication to speed. He came to a question which asked him to spell out the word that represents both a borough of New York City as well as a famous cocktail. This, of course, is Manhattan. And even though it said spellbound and spell it out, he just said, Manhattan, lock it in. And when he locked it in, he actually broke the lock it in lever as well. So very sad, considering that this is a guy who is on record pace, clearly seemed that he knew everything that was going on, felt very confident, I think, that he was going to be able to do extremely well. He was cool under pressure. But he ran into that issue, which is, you know what? It's all good to be fast, but you don't get any extra points for being fast. And it's better to take your time and be certain. And Boris, despite coming in with, I think, incredible trivia skills, incredible knowledge, puzzle memory, all these things, he was tripped up simply because he was trying to go too fast. Now, next up was Marley Clark, a flight attendant. And she practiced for Mental Samurai by doing her trivia and quizzes During turbulence. So, the bad turbulence on an airplane, that would be something that would be bad for most of us. It turns out that was helping her prepare for Ava. Her run was a bit hesitant. She seemed like she was not as confident. Perhaps she felt that lack of confidence, or perhaps she didn't. But as it turns out, she went out on one of the questions, which is sequencing the words in a song, in this case, Take Me Out to the Ball Game. And she's obviously not a baseball fan because she could not sing the song. And in a very cool moment for the show, Rob led the audience in singing Take Me Out to the Ball Game. So it ended up being great television. Unfortunately for Marley, she did not make it through, but it was great television. And if I were sitting in the chair then and I heard Rob singing Take Me Out to the Ball Game, I would have felt at least a little better saying, You know what? At least I know I'm going to make it on the air. Third up was Courtney Corder, who is a model. As it turns out, she was actually a Miss Kansas in the Miss USA competition. A lot of people commented, wow, she seems like a really attractive woman. That's what happens when you have someone who is the most attractive person in their state. Uh, She came out and she was relatively slow in locking it in. I had some concerns about the pace. But again, like Boris Chernin, she was tripped up by overlooking the nature of the question. There was a question about... The relative value or price per ounce of certain metals, uh, copper, silver, and gold. And she failed to note that the question asked her to say lowest to highest. She went highest to lowest, gold, silver, copper. Lock it in. And that was that again. Speed is important, but accuracy is more important. As we heard, 72% of people were out because of the wrong answer, only 15% because of the timeout. And so if you're gonna err one side or the other, err on the side of making sure you get the question right. The fourth contestant of the night was Miles Nye, a game maker, somebody who it turns out has actually been a consultant to shows like Survivor on the different challenges that they have the contestants go through. So in many ways, this is a guy who is perfect for this kind of show. He actually works in the industry. He understands the different stresses. He's got a lot of different knowledge. And he had a little bit of personality, which I loved as well, the facial hair. And he said, lock it in, Ava. So he's really personalizing it. I thought he was great on television, super duper animated. And I'm like, this is TV gold. Unfortunately for him, he ended up going out on a question where there was a hole in his knowledge. The question was, can you put in sequence when these various famous recording artists recorded a James Bond theme song. It was Paul McCartney and Wings, it was Duran Duran, and it was Adele. And being somebody who is very familiar with pop culture, I knew that the songs in question were for Paul McCartney and Wings, Live and Let Die, for Duran Duran, View to a Kill, and then Adele, whatever that song happened to be. I don't remember, but I knew that she had done the theme song for one of the Uh, recent Bond movies. So Miles wasn't certain whether it was Paul McCartney or Duran Duran who came first. You know, I think if he'd stopped to talk it out, he might have said, well, you know, Paul McCartney is a lot older than Duran Duran. Duran Duran is an 80s band. He might have realized that Live and Let Die came before View to a Kill. But unfortunately, he reversed those. Uh, He did, I think, was very gracious in defeat. He did a great positive post-game interview. And he and Courtney both responded to my overtures. And I'm going to try to schedule time to interview them for this podcast. Next up after that was Eric Schroeder, a tennis pro. He was a guy who really seemed to enjoy himself on the show, and it turns out it makes sense that he does because in addition to being a professional tennis player, in addition to having an MBA, which means he is in the world of business, he is also an actor and has actually been in soap operas and on television and in movies and who can blame him? He's a very handsome guy. So people with that kind of acting background really seem to know what to do when they get on stage. And he was enjoying himself and hamming it up quite a bit. You heard him say, all right, Ava, let's see what you got. Now, he was once he started his run, I was a bit surprised because he was very calm and not very vocal. He wasn't a talk-it-out guy. He wasn't doing a lot between questions. He didn't adopt the fast and fun strategy that we first saw pioneered with Nathan Gonzalez. And I feel like that was a bit of a loss because here's a guy who was obviously very photogenic, understands how to carry himself on stage, and if he would let a little more of that out during his run itself, perhaps he wouldn't have been as nervous, perhaps he would have been able to get further who knows the thing is the question he went out on was a question which asked him to identify breeds of dogs and i guess he's not a lassie fan because he couldn't identify a collie he was like that's a terrier i don't know maybe his back was hurting maybe he was distracted but he after the losing, was still trying to enjoy himself. He gave some finger guns to the audience. He was still playing it up. And again, I feel like this is a guy with a natural stage presence. Just happened to be, had not watched enough Lassie growing up. The penultimate contestant of the episode was Josh Kratz, who is a math teacher. He had a very touching hometown package uh, focused on his mother, who sadly had recently passed away recently passed away from cancer, and his goal was to win for her and also to take that vacation that his mother had always dreamed of taking, which is to go up to Alaska and kayak with the orcas. Uh, You could tell he was tearing up. I'm sure that the people who were shooting it were tearing up. It was very emotional. And it's tough to go from that to competing. But fortunately for him, the interviews tend to be shot the night before. And so you have plenty of time to recover. And so that next day, he went on his run. And Josh was a really good talk-it-out guy, which is great for television, one of the reasons I'm sure he ended up on the show. He was talking out his answers and doing a great job of, of clipping through. He was getting pretty far. But sadly, again, he's a math teacher, not a civics teacher. He lost on a question because he didn't know the number of senators in the U.S. Senate. He was thinking, well, there's 52 senators because there's 50 states and then there's two for the District of Columbia. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, what are you doing, Josh? It's two senators per state and the District of Columbia doesn't get any senators but does get a representative in the House of Representatives. So it was unfortunate. Uh, He just got the question wrong. But he got a lot of airtime, anyways. He got a great hometown package. He sh- made it to the air. And I think it was because he had that great stage presence, that great story behind him. And Josh also said he was up for an interview, so I'm hopeful that I can actually reach out and arrange something and interview him for the show. Now, the final contestant of the night, Ben Bergstrom. Uh, On the show, he's listed as a bartender, which is one of the things he does. But Ben is also an accomplished musician. Ben is also an actor who has acted on stage on the East Coast and has come out to Los Angeles to pursue his acting dreams. And there's a really interesting story that we're going to get to about just how that came about, which is fascinating. I'm looking forward. I'm hoping to get him on the show and to ask him about it. Ben is really this modest guy. He and I spent a lot of time together because he was part of Team Tuesday, part of the group that shot on Tuesday. Ben was a local, so he'd actually come in a couple days earlier. I think he'd come in on Saturday or Sunday, and he waited the whole day, and they're like, sorry, you won't get a chance to go, but if you're willing to come back, you might get a shot. I think Ben is very glad that he made the decision to come back. And I remember when I was chatting with him, we were talking and finally he revealed a little bit more about his background. And I said, you know, Ben, that doesn't surprise me because you are way too handsome to just be a normal person, right? When you see people like Ben or you see people like Eric Schroeder, you're like – these guys are really too handsome, too good-looking to just be a regular person. There must be some entertainment angle. If you are that good-looking at some point in time, you're essentially forced into entertainment because we live in a world where people want to watch good-looking people on screen. If they wanted to watch ugly people on screen, they'd watch C-SPAN all the time. So Ben, as I mentioned, was part of Team Tuesday, had come back, and boy, was he glad that he come back. Now, interesting point. One of the things that happens – during the shooting of the show, is there are different stages that you go through. So you go to makeup, you go to wardrobe, and you're being shuttled around, and uh, for example, I had to go to makeup, and then if it's too long, they send us to makeup again, because now the sweat is starting to come through, and so I need to put more powder on, and wardrobe. At one point in time, I actually spilled some water on myself, and the wardrobe people came running out with a hairdryer to dry off the clothing, because they were terrified that they would appear wet on screen. All sorts of fascinating stuff happens and what this means is that even though we're not able to see what's going on there are these various monitors and we can hear what's going on and the sound of a successful run is very distinctive because you're hearing the phoom, which indicates the question and then the cheering of the crowd and if you count the number of times the crowd cheers you can tell how someone is doing and so i saw little bits of ben's run on the monitor as i was going between makeup and wardrobe and so on and so forth and i could hear the crowd getting louder and louder and i wasn't watching the monitor when this happened but i was in a hallway waiting to go to wardrobe or waiting to go makeup when i heard the crowd going crazy and i was like i know that ben has just made it through so that was fantastic and i'm glad i finally got a chance to actually watch his run so Ben was very smart, and again, this is just editing because Ben's run was on a, probably on a different day. None of the other people on this particular episode were from Tuesday as far as I know. But Ben illustrated the value of taking your time. He says, I'm not going to rush through them. I'm going to be careful about my answers. And sure enough, that's what he did. He seemed to be enjoying the ride. He set a great pace. He didn't rush, so he got to one of those questions where they had the missing puzzle piece and he had the wrong answer initially but he said wait don't rush let me think about this and then he came to the right answer and he was making up for time whenever he could by actually early locking it in as you know locking in before people are finished saying the question and that is a good way to pick up additional time and when he was doing some of the addition questions he says i'm going to double check the math on that so ben demonstrated the value of doing the work And doing the double checking because he got all the way through all 12 questions made it to the circle of samurai and what a great answer rob lowe asked him what are you gonna do with the ten thousand dollars he said pay pills honestly which is absolutely true now we haven't gotten any of that money yet but now that the season finale is coming on after the season finale ben will either end up getting a check for ten thousand dollars or two hundred and sixty thousand dollars depending on how he does in the season finale either way Those are definitely some bills that are going to get paid. Now, one of the other interesting elements of Ben's run is his mom, who was in the sequestered room watching her son cheering him on. And there were a couple things I noticed. First, I said, wow, you know, Ben's mom, Amy, looks very young, considering that Ben is 26 and his mom looks really youthful and really attractive. And I was like, wow, that's really interesting. And then they kept cutting back to her because she had these great reaction shots. She was cheering him on. She had this incredible stage presence. And it was only afterwards when I was looking on Twitter that I realized that Ben's mom is the actress Amy Peetz, who has been a regular in many shows, including Caroline in The City early on in her career, and then later uh, on The Office. So she has actually been on television. She's a working actress. She still does many roles each year. But she took the time out to cheer on her son. And what I found out afterwards, investigating this online, because Ben and I never talked about this. We haven't seen each other in in months. and, And this is not something he brought up. But it's a fascinating story. So Ben's mom, Amy, was adopted. And she actually had ben when she was fairly young and starting out in her career and as a single mom she didn't feel like she could take care of him and so she gave ben up for adoption when he was an infant and ironically enough ben was adopted by two shakespearean actors and he spent his lifetime growing up he's I'm going to focus on music i'm not going to do acting But then, as it turns out, when he got to college, he got the bug, he started doing acting and then he moved out here to Los Angeles. And I don't know at what point in time he discovered his mom is Amy Peet's a working actress, but obviously they've been reunited since then. And Ben and she have actually been living together, which I think is a heartwarming story. And just imagine the value of having someone with over 70 different screen credits to mentor you and help you on. And then of course, in the case of Mental Samurai, to be there in the family room and to cheer you on with these incredible reaction shots. So uh, I hope that if I get a chance to interview Ben and I hope that we can chat about his relationship with his birth mother which I'm sure is really a heartwarming story and it's just incredible that you know after all these years she and her son Ben and his birth mother have been reunited and are actually living together and pursuing the same kind of dream Amy of course is already a well established actress but Ben is out there working on getting his big break and hopefully being on national television And being a mental samurai, winning $100,000 will help him achieve that. And I love the fact that at the very end, Amy goes, Samurai, and then she does her hand signs. Oh, I just thought that was fantastic. So that was Mental Samurai Episode 9. That's the final regular season episode of the season. The one episode remaining is next week's grand finale. So please do tune in to the grand finale. You can see Ben Bergstrom, myself, Nathan Gonzalez, Matt Potts, all these people that you've been listening to. Go for the $250,000 grand prize. It'll be airing on Fox at 9 p.m. on Tuesday, May 21st. Definitely tune in. For those of you who are in the San Francisco Bay Area, you can search for mental Samurai Finale Party and you could find the party that I'm hosting here in the Bay Area so you can come and cheer me on in person it's absolutely free so go ahead and sign up for that if you have a chance if you enjoy this podcast please do like subscribe and share it tell your friends about the podcast tell people about Mental Samurai we wanted to get that second season and you can follow me on Twitter at Chris Yeh that's C-H-R-I-S-Y-E-H and on other social media generally as Chris Yeh in one form or the other. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.